Thank you, Luigi. Appreciate the message and song and all the singing this morning. If you take your Bibles this morning, let's look at a very familiar passage again, Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter number 1, we find a chapter beginning with the great genealogies that lead us into a message regarding Christmas, one that perhaps we've heard, I trust you've read it, you look through it, it's, a, it's an incredible chapter. Many truths and nuances here that will build our confidence and faith in Him. I want us to look at the familiar verse, and that's beginning in verse number 18. Let's stand together if we could please. Matthew 1 and verse 18. That which has been sung about today and emphasized. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now Luke tells us how this came about. We are going over to the Gospel of Luke. We find how the angel came to Mary, announced that God's plan was for sending a Messiah, a Savior to the world to be fulfilled through her, that she would be the vehicle through whom God would come to this earth, that God was going to come in the form of a little baby. Now, God wasn't going to come with fanfare or as a great king or as a great leader would. But God had chosen to come in the most humble manner that you could possibly imagine. God chose to be born just as every other person is born. He came that way so that you would recognize that he's identifying with man. In order that you and I would know that he, Jesus, was truly human and truly divine. That he was both son of man and Son of God. This morning I want to focus on this woman, Mary. And I want us to see what Christmas provides us through the life of Mary, and that is opportunities. Opportunities found through Christmas. Thank you. Please be seated. One opportunity would be Getting a Kleenex. Can I get a Kleenex there? Many first on Christmas, Christmas on Sunday, one of which is killing an ant going across the pulpit here. <laughs> Take that. Get thee behind me. And, all right. We think about Christmas. There's a lot of things that come to mind, obviously. Uh, many think about gifts, and maybe uh, yours have, your family's been exposed to some gifts already, and, and like ours, may have seen some gifts, and so their mind is going to have to be disciplined to stay on track during the message. Maybe it's been exposed to a little bit more food and sugar. Brother A. Baker already confessed, if I see I'm going to sleep, not to throw anything at him. 
All that means is, go ahead, Pastor, you can throw anything at me because I ate too much shrimp and grits, he said. I promise not to hit Miss Elena if I do so, but, you know, there's just a lot of things come to my mind and a lot of baking. I didn't get quite as much bake. I don't know if people just didn't bake as much this time around. I don't know that I got any cookies at all. Uh, usually it was just a, a, a bucket load of cookies have been around. And uh, if it wasn't for Chris Baker and their uh, peanut butter balls, I probably wouldn't have gotten any, uh, any baked things. But all kinds of traditions and things take place that make this time of the year great. But one of the great things about Christmas, one of the greatnesses of Christmas is found in verse number 18. And we read it and it says, Before they came together, Mary and Joseph, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Secular songs will refer to this. It's the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And while secular society recognizes it and Christian society embraces it, we sometimes forget it because we become so familiar with it. But it's one of the great dynamics of Christmas. The great miracle of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. When you read in Luke chapter 1 and verse 1, you find that Mary was amazed that God had chosen her. God didn't choose Mary because she was wealthy. After all, she didn't come from a wealthy family. God didn't choose her because she had an education. God didn't choose her because she was particularly mature. She was very likely just a teenager. In those days, the young ladies were married sometimes as early as 14 years of age, and it was arranged by the parents. And So when the angel came to Mary and announced to her that God had chosen her, there had to have been a number of reactions. Maybe there was a fear reaction. God has chosen me out of all the women on this earth. God has chosen me. There had to be the fear of criticism. Fear of rejection. What would people say? What would her husband say? Her fiance say? Because they've not yet come together, how is she going to explain this? There had never been such a birth in all of the history of mankind. There must have been the fear of being ostracized. The fear of gossip. All of these things. But the Bible says that Mary overcame all of that fear. And there are several reasons why she overcame these things and several reasons and she said, basically, God, if that's what you want to do, if this is your plan for my life, as hard as it is to understand, as hard as it is to perform, I'm willing to do this if this is what you want me to do. I want you to see how Mary came to be used by God. And we find here a pattern in her life. And these are the same opportunities as given to Mary that are given to us. And I don't want us just to gloss over this and, and say, well, that's just part of a Christmas story. No, this is part of a Christian's story. So don't miss it. Number one, Mary developed an awareness of God's presence. She developed an awareness of God's presence. 
I think, and I've said this morning, again, I've already mentioned, but I mentioned in the men's meeting, truly, why wouldn't we have church on Sunday? Why would we let tradition of society dictate to us what we ought to do? The founder and head of the church who died for our sins and made a way for our salvation and we would do the very thing he said not to do so much the more as you see the day approaching we would forsake the assembling for the aspect of just assembling in our own homes with family and friends that's not how God put it together if society said nothing's going to happen today, if society said no ball games are being played today, no concerts are being held today, I still wouldn't take my cue from society. But there will be people that will pack out stadiums in the far north below zero temperatures and they're going to, they're going to, to uh, uh, cheer for a team and celebrate a potential win and moan a loss potentially while God's people are looking for reasons not to meet. And I say that which contributes to people in church. I'm talking about church leaders. Church leaders choosing not to have church is because they're not aware of the presence of God on a regular basis. After all, if you don't have coffee in a coffee shop, why would you stay open? If you don't have food in a restaurant, why would you stay open? And if you don't practice the presence of God, why would you want to meet? But when God wants to meet with you, why would you not want to meet with him? Amen. I'm just telling you why God chose Mary. She developed an awareness of God. Luke 1 and verse 28, the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Here's a young lady, although a teenager, she had a keen sense of the presence of God. I'm not, I'm not selling short our young people just because they're teenagers. That's why we have events. That's why we have activities. That's why, that's why we have a teen section. That's why we're emphasizing because the truth is, if God can save a child, then God can get a hold of a child's heart and God can call and develop and transform a young person. But the reason why that's not happening as often as it should in church is because we forfeited the presence of God. We come to church and this is like coming to a wedding. Oh, this is nice every now and then. And to some it's not like coming to a wedding, it's like going to a funeral. And when weddings and funerals are the closest you get to church and now people are deciding not to even use the church for weddings and funerals, We've just pretty much cut Jesus out of about everything. If you have a sense of the presence of God, you're going to experience the reality of God's peace in your life. If you have 
a realization that God is with you, that God has promised to never leave you, never to forsake you. You have developed a sense that he's present with you wherever you go, whatever you do, then you're going to have peace while walking with God and knowing that God is walking with you. See, Mary was used of God because she developed an awareness of God's presence and she continued to practice that awareness of God's presence. The scripture tells us that Mary pondered the angel's words in her heart. I can imagine over a nine-month period of time that before Jesus was born, Mary had a great deal of time to read the scriptures. She didn't read what we've read. She didn't have that part. She was part of the Spirit of God making this part, but she would have turned to the book of Isaiah. She would have read about, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bring forth a child. She spent time in the Word of God. She spent time contemplating how God is going to use her life. She continued to practice the presence of God. I read about a man the other day who had one of those uh, alarms on his wrist before uh, we had these smart watches, you know, they had those electronic watches, those big old keypads on there. And uh, he wanted to remind himself of the presence of God because it's easy to forget that God is with us. It's easy to overlook the fact that God never leaves us nor forsake us. So the man set his alarm to beep every hour on the hour, which reminded him, God's with me. Most of the time we do that, it means I'm late for an appointment. But to him, it meant God's with me. Then he decided he still didn't have the peace he ought to have because you get familiar with it. So he set his alarm for every 30 minutes. Every 30 minutes that beep went off and it reminded him, God is with me right here, right now in this situation. God is with me. And then he set it for every 15 minutes. I'm saying whatever it takes for us to be aware that God is with us, we need to do it. If we need a sign on our bathroom mirror that reminds us that God is with us, if we need a promise that we put on the visor of our car reminding us that God is with us, if we need something to carry in our pocket that when we touch it, we remember that God is with us, we need to practice the presence of God. I mean, moment by moment by moment, recall reassure ourselves that God is present with us. Amen. See, Mary developed an awareness of God's presence. We can call it a reverence for His presence. And a, an awareness. And a, a, um, a reverence towards who He is. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and His children shall have a place of refuge. If you're going through a time of insecurity, if you're going through a time of uncertainty, you need to realize God is with you. You need to revel in the presence of God. Take time to be reverent about his presence and practice the presence of God. Number two, not only did Mary have a reverence for God's presence, not only did she practice the presence of God in her life, but number two, she embraced God's plan for her life. She embraced God's plan. The angel comes to her and says, you're blessed among women. God has chosen you. I think about 
Elijah coming to Elisha in 1 Kings 19, casting his mantle, meaning God wants to use you, Elisha. And the angel says to Mary, God wants to use you, Mary. God is with you. God is present with you. And you're special to God. God has a plan. In Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33, the angel Gabriel said, you're going, to, you're going to have a child. You're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to be called the Son of the Most High. He's going to rule. He's going to reign. And so God said, Mary, I have this fantastic idea. I'm going to come to earth as a baby. I'm going to use your body in which to be born. And here was Mary's response. She chose the attitude of complete and total availability to God. When you read on in this passage, Mary said, let it be unto me just as you have spoken. It was complete, total availability. Let it happen just as you have planned it, God. Isn't that what we're to pray? The disciples' prayer, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Mary was saying. Whatever you've planned for my life, God, that's what I want. I want to embrace your plan for my life. See, remember the psalmist said, serve the Lord with gladness. Do you know why there's no serving the Lord or and no serving the Lord with gladness? It's because you're not embracing in totality God's plan for your life. Because Romans 12 tells us when we yield our bodies a living sacrifice, we find that it's not only acceptable to God, but it's acceptable to us. In other words, if we were smart as God, we would choose his plan every single time because we're not. God says, you just trust and obey for there's no other way you're going to be happy but to trust and obey. And that is exactly what Mary did. She embraced God's plan for her life. She had an attitude and a spirit that said, I'm devoted to doing the will of God. That's why Nehemiah, he's up there building this wall. He's got these cantankerous uh, critics. Remember what a critic is. It's a, it's a nobody telling somebody how to do what they're not even doing. It's a loser telling somebody whom God says is a winner because they're trusting God and obeying God and they're interfering. And, and Nehemiah said, I, I, I'm not coming down. I can't come down from this great work that I'm involved in. And, and Mary says, that's my ad. I don't care what the critics say. I don't care what the gossipers may say. My life is devoted to doing the will of Almighty God. Presence. You wouldn't sit around with your family and say, hey, there's some presents over there. No one's claimed those. No one has opened those. What are we going to do with those? Oh, we just leave them. They're the most expensive ones. We paid thousands of dollars for what's in those, but we're just going to leave them. Because isn't that what you do with the gifts that God has given to you? The opportunities that God's given to you, you're just going to wait till you get to heaven because it'll be by and by a whole lot better there. And why don't we just wait till we get there and unwrap them? Well, you don't get a do-over when you get there. All you're going to see is regret. At the judgment seat of Christ will be the time of reckoning. Somebody said there'll be no tears in heaven. That's not true. There will be tears. And some of the greatest weeping you will have ever done, perhaps, will be done at the judgment seat of Christ. 
when you see what could have been and all the gifts that you left unwrapped because you did not embrace God's plan for your life, tears are not wiped away until after the judgment seat of Christ. I think our lives ought to be like a blank piece of paper. And we take that, and at the top we simply say, I will do. And then everything else is left blank. And at the bottom we sign it. And you let God fill it in whenever he wants, however he wants, because he's God. Because he's God. Sometimes Dr. Childs would give me a check of his and say, you just fill it in. I can't see it as well. And and you fill it. He's trusting me to fill it in right. And then there are some of us who don't even trust God to fill in what God is so good and gracious to us about. And it's no wonder God's not able to do in our life the great things that he did at Christmas through Mary. Not only was she aware and practicing the presence of God, but she was embracing the will of God. She was willing to risk her reputation. She was willing to step out in faith and believe the promises of God. She was willing to sacrifice her comfort. But she wasn't going to be very comfortable socially. She wasn't going to be very comfortable physically, but she wanted to be comfortable spiritually. And that only comes by embracing God's plan for your life. If you'll do the will of God, there's going to be hardships. If you don't do the will of God, there's going to be more hardships. If you do the will of God, there's going to be difficulty. If you don't do the will of God, there's going to be more difficulty. But Mary devoted herself completely and totally to the will of God. She developed a sense of God's presence. And she devoted herself to God's plan completely. It's like we talked about the other service Sunday night. If you're like Mary, you're going to see the greater yes. This is about God. When we get full of self, all we focus on are the no's. What I can't do. Mary had an option in this. When the angel came to her and gave her the message, he didn't say, this is already done. You have no say-so in the matter. She had a choice. She made it known, God, whatever you say, that's what I want. Whatever you desire, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. But when you don't want the will of God, all you can think of is, God wants me. He want, that angel wanted me to do this. Who does this? Who, 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 who lives this way? Uh, he wanted to rob me of my special wedding day. I mean, how am I going to wear that white dress looking like a, a, a New Year blimp? How is that going to happen? And, and God, what, what is he jipping me? If God loved me and cared about me, he wouldn't put me through this. All you see are the no's. When you're filled with self. That's why people say, well, you know, young people leaving the church because of the rules. Not one person's ever left church over the rules. Only one rule in the garden, and who focused on that one? It was Satan. God says, I'm here to give. But when you're convinced that God has something for you that's worth protecting, you're all for putting up the fence. 
Protect at all costs. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. See, when you recognize there's a greater yes, you understand why God says no to some things. God's great commandments, love God, love others. He didn't say hate, hate, hate. No, he said love. And if in order to love God and love others, there's some things that you've got to put up in your life that's going to protect that because those are the two great commandments. 1 John chapter 2, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Why would God say that? Because loving the world and the things that are in the world, well, that's just going to cause you to have too much fun. And God doesn't want you to have too much fun, does he? That's not why he said that. He said, don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world, because there's something far greater than loving the world. He says, the love of the Father. See, God is just simply trying to protect the greater yes. I'm sorry that some of you have gone to places before you've, you've grown up in an atmosphere where there was a hypocritical pastor or hypocritical leaders, but that's no excuse to, to act contrary than the way Mary acted. Mary could have said, all I know is a bunch of hypocrites. For 400 years, we've not heard from God. Why? Because of a bunch of hypocrites leading our nation. That's not what she said. Though that's true, what she did say is, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. I want you to see a third thing. She delighted in God's power. Opportunity that Christmas brings for Mary, which Christmas brings for God's children, is an opportunity to delight in God's power. God used Mary to do some supernatural things. Evidently, Mary believed in the supernatural God. Do you? Well, not too many, but I, I, I believe in a God of miracles. I don't get to bring my family to church too often because I get here for men's prayer and I'm here through. And, but today, I, after men's prayer, I drove back and got the family. So I got to participate in the Ingram family um, tradition coming to church. And that is each one prays. And then each one selects the song to sing. And and we sing it. And I loved singing the song, Nothing is Impossible. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. Nothing is impossible when you're trusting in His Word. Hearken to the voice of God to thee. What did God say? Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer is, of course not. Then put your trust in God alone and rest upon his word for everything. Oh, everything. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. And Mary was able to believe that God could do miracles. I believe that God was able to cause Mary to conceive. I believe that God was able to cause Jesus to be born of a virgin. I believe in the virgin birth. If you believe in God, you should have no problem with miracles. And if you believe in miracles, you should have no problem praying big prayers. If you believe in miracles, 
Here's the truth. If you believed in miracles, if you believed in the God who is a God of miracles, you wouldn't be complaining. You wouldn't be criticizing. You wouldn't be belly. You wouldn't be gossiping. Mark it down. Griper, complainer, a gossiper, they don't believe in miracles. Oh, they might believe in the God who does miracles, but they don't believe in miracles. If you believed in miracles, then you wouldn't have anything to complain about. You'd have one to talk to who could do a miracle. Many of the liberal scholars have tried to explain away the virgin birth. But Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible with God, including this miracle. Don't sell God short. Mary was open to miracles. She delighted in the power of God. The reason why somebody doesn't tithe is because they don't believe in God. They don't believe in miracles. The reason why people can't give above tithe is because they can't believe in miracles. How can you believe in God and not believe in miracles? I read this story and I see Mary delighting in God's power. I read that Mary began to sing and her heart began to overflow with praise to the Lord. You read that latter part of Luke chapter 1 and Mary's saying, My heart is overflowing with all this praise to my Lord. The one who can do all things has done great things for me. You want to, a great antidote to worry is worship. You cannot worship and worry at the same time. You cannot praise and panic at the same time. I don't care what you've told yourself. There are people who say, uh, I'm not worrying, I'm, I'm not worrying. So you just call it something else. But I'm telling you, when you're, act, when you're acting critical, complaining, you're, 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 you're gossiping, you're backbiting, you're depressed, you're no joy, you're, you're pouting, you're, did I say Oh, let me throw, here's, a, here's one we haven't used. Drama-filled and, uh, and, and drama-filled. And, and all that is is gossiping and complaining and worrying. And, uh, and, and the truth is, we're going to preach it out. We will preach it out because we take one drama-filled person and we take them out and we have room for God to work because God doesn't work through your unbelief. God works through faith. Filled expectancy and who God is. You can't worry and worship. You can't praise and panic at the same time. You can't do it. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Hmm. I feel like it's about the time where Will says, can you rewind that and do it again? Can you rewind it? No, it'll just, it's going to keep being a part of this until we experience everything that God in heaven is doing freely until he's able to do in his church here. We're going to keep hitting it. So I got a flat tire, so I'm going to go get the windshield washed. That's going to make a difference, won't it? Well, sure it will. It helps you sit on the side of the road while you sit there, broken down, not moving, trying to, to figure out some other way that this is going to get fixed. No, you got a broken tire, you attend to the broken tire. And you have doubts and worrying and strife and complaining and criticizing. You don't say, well, we're just going to worship God anyway. No, 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 no. You deal with the sin that clogs the channel that has been insulting God. And you get God back into your life. And then you're able to worship. 
See, Mary, who's just been given the most startling announcement in all of history, instead of her saying, well, let me, let me pray about it. I got to pray about it. You know, uh, Mr. Angel, if you were spiritual, you know, I got to pray about it. Oh, how, how, how can you be more spiritual than God? No, she begins to count those things that are not as though they were so. She begins to believe in the power of the invisible God. She begins to walk by faith and to prepare her heart for what God's going to do in her life. Two of the worst years in the history of England were 18, excuse me, 1665 and 1666. The first one was a great black plague in which tens of thousands of people died. Then the great fire of London occurred and wiped out four-fifths of the city. Everything was burned into blackness. Can you imagine two years like that? One year of plague, the next year of fire. Two devastating events back to back. Now, if it had been our government, they would have said everybody has to wear a mask that will take care of both of those problems. A prominent Englishman wrote in his diary, all around us is death and despair. I don't think we'll ever be able to recover. But there was also a man, um, obscure man, but he was a man who believed in God in London. He thought they could recover. Rather than focusing on everything that was wrong, he began to focus upon the power of God and his promises. So he wrote these words. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's interesting that 400 years later, we're still singing the doxology because this man believed God in the midst of devastation, death, and darkness. He didn't look at death and problems around and focused on them. No, he faced the death and the darkness and the problems around him, but he kept focusing upon God. So did Mary. She delighted in God's power. She was aware of his presence. She embraced his plan. She delighted in his power. And last this morning, she rested in his promises. In Luke chapter 1, verse 54, she rehearsed what God has done in the past, that God kept his promise made to their ancestors and he's come to help a servant girl in Israel. And she, she's rehearsing that. Over 7,000 promises in the Bible waiting to be claimed. And your name can be on every single one of them. Mary faced an impossible situation, but she got ready for a miracle. How? By resting in the promises of God. Many people don't claim the promises of God just because they don't know them. But Mary knew them. In fact, if you read the song of praise that Mary sang unto the Lord, it's evident that Mary knew the Old Testament scripture. She was familiar with the word of God. Brother Brian Foote gave testimony this morning how the, the wonder of God's word has done a work in his life this year, reading the Bible through three times. And I know others have done the same. And what I'm simply saying is, that's what God wants us to do. Embrace his word. Take to heart his promises. But we can't do that if we're not familiar with it. One of the beneficial things you could do for yourself this year is to memorize a promise of God every week. 
Every week, a new promise of God. A promise is like a signed check by God. By faith, cash it in. We could answer God with a promise from God. Luke 1 and verse 45, Elizabeth said to Mary, you believe that God would, would do what he said. That's why he's given you this, Mary. That's, that's why he's done this. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of him whose heart is perfect, who's right towards him, embracing his word. God could use Mary because her heart was right towards God. Mary wasn't perfect. She had a sin nature. That's why we don't worship Mary. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we're to worship Mary. Nowhere does it say that we're to place Mary above any other believer. Mary was a simple believer just like you and me, but she was one that was familiar with the promises of God and she claimed and embraced them. And so when we come here to Christmas time, the question can be asked, what can we give Jesus? I'm not thinking about monetary offering, though that's not bad. You ever have somebody in your family, somebody you know, it's hard to buy a gift for because they have everything. And what can you give somebody who has everything? That's the way it is with God. What could you possibly give to God at Christmas? Because God has everything. He's self-sufficient. God doesn't need anything. God is all in all. God doesn't need anything, but God does want something. You can give something that He wants that He does not have. Are you listening? What is it? Your whole heart. And your whole being. You say, that's not true of me. Then I'm not talking to you. But if you haven't given that to God. Lock, stock, and barrel. Every day. Any day. All the way. Your entire heart. And your being. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And with all thy soul. And with all thy mind. Let's stand together please.